0: Good morning everyone, is that okay? Picking it up, yeah? Okay. The scriptures reminds us that uh, we don't know what a day may bring forth. And as we've just heard of the passing of our dear neighbor, truly we're living in very difficult times very changeable times, very uncertain times. And these are the times we need to rest and remain upon the Word of God. Because it's the Word of God that's able to uphold us, able to keep us, able to preserve us. So this morning as we come to hear and to receive God's Word, let's be attentive Because God is a speaking God, and he always has something to say to us, for us, so that we might be upheld, so that we might be encouraged. Are you ready to receive what God has to say this morning? Amen. Amen. Last week, our Pastor Paul spoke regarding on the topic of love. He spoke about the love of our Father, revealed, declared, and manifested in our Lord and Saviour. And throughout the week, through our time of prayer, we have prayed regarding this topic of love. Each day we took a different facet of love and how we ought to love. And you won't be surprised to know that this morning I'm going to continue on that theme of love. Because it's very important. Because I believe that if we receive these messages at the beginning of this year, it will be foundational to each one of us as people and as a church that as we proceed into the year, what we received in this month of January through the messages will be for our benefit, will be for our encouragement. This is the foundation of who we are and what we will do. So let's receive the word of God. He speaks to each one of us. And if we have ears to hear, let's hear what the Spirit will say to the church. Amen. Amen. As we begin, I'd like to ask you a question, just to see if you're awakened with me. <laughs> My question is, what is the greatest commandment? Oh, amen. Lots of people answered that question. <laughs> yes, the greatest commandment has to do with love. It's found in Matthew 22. Let me just read the passage to you. This will be the focus of what we're going to be doing today. The greatest commandment. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, I'm reading from Matthew 22:34. 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. Isn't that interesting? Jesus has silenced the Sadducees, And the Pharisees, they say, let's get together. Instead of saying, well, let's submit to the word of God. Jesus has spoken. Let's receive what he said. They got together to oppose Jesus. And they continually did that. They continually opposed Jesus. They got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. Yes, Jesus was answered this very question by a Pharisee who was considered to be an expert in the law. Interesting. They were experts in the law, but they had no regard for Jesus. That's possible. It's possible to have a great regard to God's commandments and have no regard for God. It's possible. Possible to be expert in what the Bible teaches, but it never influences my life. Never does anything for me. But I know the Bible very well. There are people like that. They know the Bible very well, but it has no effect on their lifestyle. So this Pharisee was an expert in the law. And he wanted to to test Jesus. Isn't it interesting? Why would you want to test Jesus? Better to receive from him, listen to him, understand him. Why would you want to test Jesus? Anyway, Jesus answered by saying, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest, and therefore, the most important commandments and the second is like it love your neighbour as yourself indeed John tells us in his first epistle 1 John 4:19 to 21 we love because he first loved us our love is a response to his love unless he loved us we wouldn't know how to love If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, hates his sister, he is a liar. Very strong word. For anyone who does not love his brother, his sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he, that is God, has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother, love his sister. And all the law and all the prophets hang, depend on these two commandments. All the Old Testament scriptures from Genesis to Malachi, all of God's commandments are described and depend on these two commandments. And as for us, all of scripture From Matthew to Revelation, hang and depend on these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with everything that you have. That's what it means. Your heart, soul and mind. That means with everything that you have, love God and love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus gives two commandments, and they summarise all the laws and all the commands of Scripture. If you go back to the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, those commandments deal with our relationship with God and with our relationship with others. The first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. And to God, and the final six, with our relationship with others. God's commands are given for relationship. There's no other purpose of God giving us commands but that we might know how to relate and live with Him and how we ought to live and relate with each other. God doesn't give commands for the sake of giving commands, God doesn't give commands because He wants to spoil our fun. Or to dictate to us. God gives commands because he wants us to relate properly. That's the purpose of his commandments. God's commands flow from his love. That's the purpose. That's the source of all his commandments. Because of his love. In other words, his commands are for our benefit. Not for his. His. Without a right relationship with God, our relationship with others will not be right either. I cannot relate properly to you if I'm not rightly related to God. I may try, but if I'm not relating properly to God, then there's something wrong with me. And if there's something wrong with me, I can't relate to you properly. So first of all, I must rightly relate with God before I can be rightly related to you. And oftentimes, that's our problem. We try and get on with people, we try and have good relationships with people without having a good relationship with God. And without that, first of all, we could never relate properly with one another. So if you're wondering why your relationships are suffering, why they don't seem to be working, maybe that's the answer. Maybe it's because you're not rightly related to God. And with God. We always have to get first things first. And the other things will flow from that. Amen? The cause of many of the world's problems... Is due to the fact... That people aren't rightly... Related... To and with God. And you can see the result... In our world today. The chaos... The uncertainty, the hate, all manner of poor relationships, people struggle to relate one with another, not knowing that unless they are rightly related to and with God, they will never succeed. So let's take that to heart this morning. Jesus says we ought to love our neighbour as we love ourselves. And we will never be able to love our neighbour as ourselves if we first of all do not love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul and with all of our mind. That's the prerequisite for right relationships. All of our best efforts toward peace and reconciliation will fail as long as we are living in rebellion against God. Indeed, when asked by another Pharisee, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered, that is by keeping these two commandments. Love God with everything that you have, And love your neighbour as yourself. Only two commandments to obey. Yet how often, like this Pharisee, do we try and justify ourselves? Because we say we obey these commandments. But do we in practice? Easy to know them. Easy to read about them. But far more difficult To put them into practice. And that was the problem with the Pharisees. They knew all of God's commandments. Yet they never put them into practice. We're not to be like that. We must be people. Who practice what we preach. Who do as we say. Our lifestyle. Must match our words. And our words must match our lifestyle. That's what it means to be walking in integrity. Our actions are the same as our words. So let's take a look at two people who really did keep these two commandments, to love God and to love others. Who do you think I'm going to start with first? Can anyone guess? Sorry? Well done, Nicky. You get a gold star for that. (laughs) Yes, the first and best example is of our Lord. How did he exemplify the commandment to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind? First of all, the love of Jesus for his father... ...is always expressed in his obedience to his father. Obedience is an expression of love. You cannot obey those whom you do not love. There's a difference between obedience and complying with instructions. When I was at work, I would more often than not... (laughs) ...comply with the instructions of my manager... But it didn't mean that I was obeying him. Obeying comes from relationship. You only obey those to whom you are in relationship with. You can comply with instructions without obedience. Obedience has to do with relationship. So Jesus expressed his relationship with his father, his love for his father, through obedience to his father. John 5.30. Jesus says, By myself... I can do nothing I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just why for I seek not to please myself but him who sent me Jesus said he sought only to please his father his obedience stemmed from his motivation to please his father. Obedience isn't tick boxes. We have got a list of do's and don'ts. And each time I do or don't, I tick the box. That's not obedience. That's not love. That's tick boxing. Obedience comes from a desire to please my father. And I cannot obey my father unless that is my motivation. I'll fail otherwise. I'll struggle to obey if I don't seek to please my father that must be my motivation John 8 29 Jesus says the one who sent me is with me he has not left me alone why for I always do what pleases him that was his motivation that was the bottom line he did always those things that pleased his father And we have to be the same. No use going through the Bible, reading all the commandments, the laws, and struggling to obey them. Unless first, I'm living in right relationship with my Father, and I'm seeking to please my Father. That's the bottom line. Not only does Jesus seek to please his Father... But he always does those things that pleases him. Is that your motivation? Do you always seek to please your father? And do you always do those things that pleases him? That must be our motivation. Anything else is not good enough. Because anything else will fail. Notice how Jesus does not regard obedience to his Father as a chore or something onerous. He did not consider obedience to his Father as something to be avoided or as something to be disregarded. Because of his love for his Father, Jesus took pleasure in obeying his Father. In fact, Jesus says in John 14, 23... If anyone loves me, he, she, will obey my teaching. The love comes first, the obedience second. You cannot obey without love. Our love for our Heavenly Father should and is always expressed in our obedience to Him and in our obedience to His commandments. Without love, there can be no obedience. Secondly, the love of Jesus for his Father is always expressed in his devotion to his Father's will. You know that well-known scripture, Matthew twenty-six thirty-nine. Jesus says, My Father, if it is possible... May this cup be taken from me. Yet, not what I will, but your will be done. Jesus was devoted to his Father's will. That's how he was able to go to the cross. He says, Father, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but your will be done. John 4.34, Jesus says, My food, my meat, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That was Jesus' priority. That's why he calls it meat and food. It's that which sustained him, that which he lived for, that which he lived by, to do the will of the Father, of the one who sent me. That was his priority, because he was devoted to To the will of his father and that's how his love for the father was expressed John 6 38 Jesus says for I've come down from heaven not to do my own will but to do the will of him who sent me because of his love for his father Jesus is devoted to doing the will of the father so therefore he makes the will of the father his priority. Have you made the will of the Father your priority? Are you devoted to His will? Are you devoted to doing the will of the Father because of your love for the Father? Love for the Father and the devotion to do His will. Can never be separated. The devotion that we have to do the Father's will. Will always come as a consequence. Of our love. For our Father. They can't be separated. One necessarily follows the other. If I'm devoted to do his will. I will do his will. Because I love him. 1 John 4.9 We love him. Because he first Loved us. Even the psalmist says. Psalm 73.25. Whom have I in heaven but you. And on earth. There is nothing I desire. Besides you. Can you say the same. What a marvelous thing to say. Whom have I in heaven. But you. And there is nothing. That there is upon earth. That I desire. Apart from you. May that be our prayer and our decoration this morning, that there is nothing else we desire upon earth but to do the will of our Father and to be devoted to him. Our love for our Heavenly Father is always expressed in our devotion to do his will and in making his will our priority. Can you say amen to that? May that be our purpose as we begin this year that we will be devoted to our Father and in the doing of His will. Okay. That deals with our first verse that we might love the Lord our God with all of our heart with all of our soul and with all of our mind. Let's turn to the second one that we might love our neighbour as ourselves. And as our second example we're going to have a look at a second, a familiar parable. The parable of the Good Samaritan. It's very familiar to us all but it's a fine example of the second command of Jesus love your neighbour as yourself. I won't go through it all it's quite a long passage but it's taken from Luke 10 25 to 37. I'll just touch certain points and we'll see what God might say to us today. Luke 10, 25 to 37, the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's an interesting title because, as far as the Jews were concerned, there was no such thing as a Good Samaritan. (laughs) That's why Jesus used this example. The Jews looked down on the Samaritans. So Jesus made the hero of this parable a Samaritan, just to show them up, to point out something to them. It's as if there is someone who we think less of, who we don't have regard for, and Jesus uses that person as the hero of his parable. Jesus wants to point out something. Let's begin. The parable of the Good Samaritan tells the story of a man travelling from Jerusalem to Jericho. Thank you. (laughs) Is that a reminder? (laughs) Okay. The parable of the Good Samaritan, the story of a man travelling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And while on the way, he's robbed of everything he had, including his clothing... And is beaten to within an inch of his life. And in this life, there are many people who are travelling from Jerusalem to Jericho. In fact, we're all on a journey, aren't we? Whether Christian or non-Christian. We're all travelling somewhere. We're all going somewhere. And whilst on that journey... We may be robbed of everything that we have because we do have an enemy. We have an enemy of our soul. We have one who opposes us. And as we or as others go on our journey from day to day, we may fall into this predicament that this man fell into. It says he was robbed of everything that he had, he lost everything he had, even down to his clothing. His dignity was taken away from him. He'd lost everything. And he was beaten to within an inch of his life. There are many people travelling today who have been robbed of everything that they've had. They've been stripped of their dignity and they've been beaten down to within an inch of their life. And we pass them from day to day. We may not see them. We may not recognize them, but there are people like this. And we need to have regard. We need to be aware of these sort of people, because there are many people like that. And the story continues. The next character Jesus introduces into his story is a priest. Now, you will know that a priest is God's representative to the people. A priest is meant to manifest God's love, God's mercy and God's grace to the people. Yet, what did he do? Jesus spends no time describing the priest and only tells of how he showed no love or compassion for the man by failing to help him and passing on the other side of the road so as not to get involved. Now, if there's anyone else who should have got involved, it should be the priest. Remember, the priest represents God. He should be the first one to help and assist the man. But I wonder, we can criticise the priest, we can think badly of him, but how about us? Are we like that? We are also God's representatives to the people. But when we see people lying beaten, robbed of their dignity beaten to within an inch of their lives do we walk by on the other side or do we show love and compassion for those people how is it with us as Christians are we like the priest or are we like the Samaritan something to reflect upon The next person to pass by is a Levite. A Levite was one who served in the temple. So he was familiar with the ways of God. In fact, he served God in a practical way. Yet, he did exactly what the priest did. He passes by without showing any compassion. Like the priest, he would have known the law. But he failed to show the injured man any compassion. It's terrible really, isn't it? It's easy to know God's laws, God's ways to serve in the church, whether as a leader or in practical ways, and yet be without love and compassion. How can that be? It shouldn't be, should it? If I'm a leader in the church, if I serve in the church, if I'm a Christian... I shall be able to show love and compassion to those who are in need and not pass by on the other side. So let's take heart, let's take encouragement, let's not be like the priest and the Levi. Let's not pass by on the other side, but let's show the love of God, let's show the compassion of God to others as they journey along life's way. Let's be like the Samaritan. The next person to come along is the Samaritan. The one least likely to have shown compassion for the man. Remember, Jews and, Com- and the Samaritans had no dealings with each other. If you're familiar with the story of Jesus and the woman at the well, you'll know this. It was said that the Jews and the Samaritans had no dealings one with another. The Jews looked down on the Samaritans. But this man, this Samaritan, he stopped and he had love and compassion for the Jew. Samaritans were considered a low class of people by the Jews, since they'd intermarried with non Jews and did not keep all the law. Therefore, Jews would have nothing to do with them. Isn't it interesting? The Jews looked down on the Samaritans because the Samaritans didn't keep the law. Well, did the Jews keep the law? (laughs) They certainly didn't keep the law. Yet they looked down on other people. And we have to be careful that we're not like this. It's easy for us as Christians to look down on people because of their behaviours. And yet, at the same time, we have those same sort of behaviours. It's easy to condemn other people for the things that we do. And we excuse ourselves. We saw this when we've been looking at the Matthew in our Bible studies. And we were looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And we spoke about being judgmental. We spoke about people trying to take the speck of sawdust from the eye of someone else whilst having a plank in mine. And it's easy to do that. It's easy to see other people's faults, but to justify my own. And the Jews looked down on other people, yet not realising that they were in the same situation. In fact, the Pharisees had a term for some people, they called them sinners. They labelled people as sinners, yet knowing that they themselves were sinners. Let's not be like Pharisees, let's be like this good Samaritan. Why? The good Samaritan saw only a person in dire need of assistance, and assist him, he did. He went above and beyond the minimum required. He went the extra mile, as Jesus said. He dressed the man's wounds with wine to disinfect and oil to soothe the pain. He puts the man on his animal and takes him to an inn for a time of healing. And pays the innkeeper with his own money. The Samaritan saw this man as his neighbour, and his neighbour as anyone who is in need. So, when we're told to love our neighbour, in fact, we're told to love everyone in need. So, let's not say, as this Pharisee, who is my neighbour? Everyone is my neighbour. Everyone who I come into contact with, everyone who I'm living in relationship with, they are my neighbour. And like the Good Samaritan, I must see them as such. By ending the encounter in this manner, Jesus is telling us to follow the example of the Good Samaritan in our conduct. We must show compassion and love to those we encounter in our everyday activities. We are to love others regardless of their race or religion. That's important we don't judge make judgments about people and those we help according to their race according to their religion according to how we feel about them according to whether we think they deserve our help the only criterion is need does this person need my help then they're my neighbor If they have a need and we're able to supply that need then we're able to give generously and freely without expectation of return. So these are two important lessons to be learned from the parable of the Good Samaritan. First of all We are to set aside our prejudices and show our love and compassion to others, not being judgmental. If there is a need, let's supply that need. And our neighbour is anyone we encounter. We are all made in the image of God and we are to love everyone just as Jesus has taught us to love. Can you say, say amen to that? Amen. amen. So let's go back to, to the beginning. The greatest commandment. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven: 37. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with everything that you have. That means obedience of Jesus as we seek to please our Father and devotion to Jesus as we seek to do the Father's will and remember we said obedience is a function of relationship we can only obey our Father if we are living in right relationship with our Father obedience and devotion naturally flow from the love of our Father and Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, We must love our neighbour as ourselves. We must have the same love and compassion that the Good Samaritan expressed. He loved freely and he loved generously. And at the end of that passage of the Good Samaritan... Jesus gave this instruction in Luke 10.37. Jesus says, go and do likewise. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Amen.